I remember when I was a child growing up, my eyes were oftentimes drawn to the night skies by these lights that periodically would sort of flash across the whole sky like this here. And um, these lights were used from time to time by stores that would be opening up or uh, car dealerships that were uh, bringing out new models of cars. And these lights were called, we called them search lights. Uh, some of you who are older like myself maybe remember these lights that were used. They don't use them anymore. But these uh, lights were uh, purchased uh, by marketing companies and uh, they were purchased by the purchased from the military. The military used these in the Second World War and um, they were used in Europe uh, to search out for planes that were in the skies flying at bombers flying at night. But then they were used for civilian purposes uh, back here in the country here uh, back in the 50s and 60s. And these were very, very powerful lights. They really were. And you could see them um, in the whole city. And of course, the purpose was to get you to be drawn to their very, very source. You wanted to see where is this light? Where is this light coming from? Of course, we don't use them anymore, but they worked. When Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, they didn't have um, searchlights, or they didn't have today something called Facebook or Twitter, okay, to uh, let people know that Jesus was being born. But um, there was a star, there was a star that people followed and uh, it landed them to the source, to the source of, of the light of lights, of course, who was Jesus Christ. We heard that this, this light of lights created a lot of, a lot of excitement. Um, Herod, of course, was, was excited and concerned. He was excited and concerned because, um, because he was really, really afraid. He was really afraid for his own. He thought that this newborn king was going to be a threat to, to his own uh, power as well. And so he sends the kings off and says, uh, let me know what you find so that I can go pay him homage. But of course we know that that's very duplicitous. He had no intentions at all of, of honoring this king. So this image of light that plays a prominent role in our gospel today is used not only in this gospel, but it's a very, very a prominent symbol in all of the scriptures. Because light, light is essential for life. We know that. I mean, just a little over a week ago, for many of you, I know, on the very feast of Christmas, Christmas Eve, the lights went out for thousands and thousands of people here in the Pickerington community. We were blessed here at Seton Parish because our lights did not go out. Um, I'd say that was one of the miracles of Christmas, okay, for us here. It really was because the lights were out just right next door here in Melrose. The lights were out all around us. They flickered here, then they went back up. So we were really, we were, we were, we were blessed. And we know in those kinds of moments, when that happens, how much we really do need light. Christ is often referred to as our light. And even hundreds and hundreds of years before the child was born, we hear in the first reading today from the prophet Isaiah, rise up in splendor Jerusalem, your light has come. 
even though darkness covers the earth, upon you the Lord shines. So light is a powerful symbol of of God's presence to his people. So on this feast of Epiphany that we celebrate here this morning, we might ask ourselves, where is this light in my life? And is that light bright now? What's the quality of that light? Or is it maybe like some of those flashlights that you were searching for on Christmas Eve that were maybe, you know, a little dimmer than you would have liked them to be? But maybe even more importantly, has there ever been a time in your life where you have sought out this light in your life? The word epiphany means manifestation. So God has made manifest on this day to all of the nations. When Jesus was born, it was a very, very quiet and intimate moment. Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they were the only ones that were there, of course, with the, with the animals in the stable as well. We don't know how long that was. Mary was very human. She had to probably recover from that, that birth. When the moment was right, the angels announced it to the shepherds, and, and they came. But then today, we might call today, the, um, the news starts to spread. The light starts to, to really emanate. We might call today the, the real launch, the real launch of, of the story. And these magi, they come. We don't know how many there were. Tradition says that there were three of them. Tradition says, gives them three names, Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar. But some, some countries say there were as many as 12. I read this week that India honors 12, 12 wise men today that represent all the nations coming to search out this person of Jesus. And after they finally reach Jerusalem, we don't know what happened. The story doesn't tell us. They place their gifts at the feet of Jesus, and they just simply disappear. But we can be fairly certain that they did share what happened to them when they met Jesus. And we're called to do the same thing. We're called to share our experience with our encounter with Jesus. One of the commentaries on on this story that I read makes this point about this passage. It says that, you know, Herod, he, he makes some inquiries about this newborn king of the Jews and calls the chief priests and the elders, and they're able to say so much about Jesus, about the Messiah, where he is to be born, and, and all they know everything about it. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And they can tell everything about it. They can quote scripture, but they don't do anything. They stay right where they're at. They don't live it. And I wonder if sometimes it's the same way with us as well. You know, in a few moments, we can all stand up and we can all recite the creed, everything we know about our faith. And we can, maybe if we go somewhere and check our religious preferences, we can say, yep, check the box, I'm a Catholic. We know all the basics of our Catholic faith. We know all the basics, like those chief priests spoke them to Herod. But sometimes I think we have to admit, I have to admit the same thing myself. 
We don't always make that effort to really go and, and search out and learn more and more about our faith and really grow in it. Most importantly, on this Feast of Epiphany, we don't follow through on, on the second half, second half that's spoken about in the scriptures as well. Isaiah says, just don't get excited because the light is here. Isaiah, in that first reading today, says, nations shall walk by your light and kings by your shining radiance. They shall be radiant at what they see in you. Now, that was written centuries before the infant was in the manger. We believers of today are drawn to this light. But most importantly, nations are going to walk by your light. By your light. What are those nations? Those nations are where you're going to be tomorrow morning. You're going to be where you're going to be at the water cooler tomorrow morning. Where you're going to be when you leave here this afternoon, when you're out there stuck in traffic, like all of us on 256, you know, and people see your light out there. Or when you go to school tomorrow morning, they're going to say, you know, do you radiate what you experienced here in the last two weeks? Well, when people see the radiance in you, Kind of like the radiance that you showed on Friday morning. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I woke up on Friday morning and I was around town. I saw all these people with these little slits in their eyes like this here. They could hardly see. But the whole city was radiant. They were beaming, right? We were. It's still beaming. The whole city is beaming. We are. Because of a victory. Where we're going. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Nations will walk by your light. That's what Isaiah says. How many days, how many days on your faith journey do you feel radiant? Probably not every day, be honest. I know I don't. But that's the challenge. That's the challenge to all of us on this Feast of Epiphany. You've been here, you are here this morning. You're streaming towards this light. And we're about to encounter Christ in the most real of possible ways as we receive him in the Eucharist. We take him now into our everyday experiences. As the story goes on, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but to depart for their country by another route. They encountered Jesus, and they were different after they left. And so we know they were different because today there are two billion, two billion Christians in this world. They just didn't drop their gifts and go home. Same way with us. We can't just go home when we leave here. As I said, Epiphany challenges us to be radiant in our experience of God, so that others in these foreign lands, wherever it is that we live, whether it's 
Pickerington or Baltimore or Canal Winchester or Violet Township or ever, that all these nations may also come to the light. So on this Feast Epiphany, of Epiphany, let us go forth from this place where we have experienced the light and be radiant so that other people, too, may come and experience this great light.